All right, welcome to Talk Jitsu episode nine with Boogie Mike, Joey Bresky, and me, Jordan Pressinger from Jordan Teach Jiu Jitsu. Today we have a great episode for you guys. We're going to talk about uh, Jiu Jitsu sayings uh, and adages that people don't like. So we're going to uh, react to a Reddit thread. I've always found that really fun and interesting to keep things within the same realm of topic, but also be able to talk about different topics at the same time. So yeah, that's something I really like about doing this kind of stuff so let's just um you know not not much has happened in our in our days or our week that's uh super interesting to the audience you guys so uh we'll just, just we'll just jump right into it so yeah. what is the name of this thread jordan it's is just, it things that people don't like to hear or yeah what is a jiu-jitsu adage or saying that you don't like so okay. yeah just things people say in jiu-jitsu that uh people don't really agree with their common sayings like yeah do this do that let's see so let's start off with this comment from how do i get better um this person's saying when people say when the question is how do i get better and the answer is just go to class and they're saying everyone should have an idea of what they're actively working on they can research watch videos ask their coach but every day focus on improving that area so i do agree with that because um you know people can say you know how do i get better just keep showing up but um that isn't the optimal way to get better but i also think that it's also very true that you will get better just by showing up too. I think that both things can be true. Like for me, at least what I think it's like, just say you were like, um, let's take chess, for example, just say you're going to a chess class every single week for 10 years. Um, you're going to get good at chess. <laughs> you know, it's just going to happen. But are you going to be good as good at chess as someone that studies outside of their chess class practices, thinks about it all the time? Probably not as good, but you're going to be way better than someone that uh, didn't go to chess uh, class every week for 10 years. So, yeah, I agree that it can be like a bit of a cop out to saying just show up, but it's also true. So, yeah, what, what do you think, Joey, on that? Yeah, I mean, like just show up is kind of right. I mean, I've never I don't know about you, but I've never seen a student not get better from coming to class, like regularly coming to classes for a given amount of time. Like I've never seen that happen. Like someone who comes for two years is as bad as the day they started. Doesn't typically happen, but you're right. Like it's not a surprise that the people who improve the fastest and make the biggest like leaps in their game are the people who are like staying late after class, asking questions, you know, watching videos on their own time. Like it, the more effort you put in to getting better at an activity, the better you're going to get at the activity, but just doing it is going to make you better. Exactly. So maybe it's not like the most optimal, best strategy, but I think it's pretty obvious, you know, it's for anything in life, the more effort you put into it, uh, the more you're going to get out of it. I mean, there's so many examples like school, you show up to school, you're going to get, um, you're going to learn stuff, but is it going to, are you going to learn as much and, you know, benefit as much as like actually doing your homework and your projects and, and, you know, everything that's asked of you, you know, that kind of stuff helps. That's why the kids that do that stuff do well in school and they get good jobs after, you know, it's, pretty clear, pretty obvious uh, for you, Mike, you know, what's your, what's your opinion on this? I think it depends if you're a competitor or just an everyday regular guy that likes or guy or gal that likes to go to do jujitsu. If you're a competitor, just show up as the basic minimum requirements, you know, that you have to go to maybe get private lessons from your coach, you know, research outside of class and things like that. But for the average Joe that just goes, I think just showing up is, is fine. Yeah, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like uh, that, that there is such an issue in jujitsu differentiating, uh, differentiating, uh, hobbyist from competitor and there are hobbyist competitors and there's also competitors that are hobbyists you know there's like both like you can treat uh jiu-jitsu as like um you know take it very serious as a competitor and not compete and you can also compete and not take it very serious and be more recreational but you know 
the, the demands for both different groups are so different, right? So, you know, a competitor, someone in that realm has, I, I would give them such different advice from someone just wants to get decently good at jitsu and have a good time. Like, yeah, just showing up will, um, you'll get good at jitsu. It's not like a super, um, you know, hot take, right? Do something for 10 years, you're going to get decent at it. So this person's saying when people say jujitsu is for everyone, they say, no, it's not for everyone. It's for anyone, not everyone. Uh, you know, I guess that, you know, that's true. Um, you know, I think that that is a good way of putting it. Definitely anyone can do it. Like if you have injuries or maybe you're not the most athletic or whatever it is, I mean, there's still things you can do to work around and still do jujitsu, but in the sense, is it for everyone? Is everyone going to enjoy it? Probably not, but I would say that most people would if they give it a chance. Um, I think a lot of people just don't want to give it a chance because, you know, they're either just too nervous or they think they won't like it. And maybe some people do give it a chance, but they don't give it their best chance. Right. So maybe they try class and they're just too kind of hesitant to really get fully into it, you know, and just let themselves kind of relax and enjoy it. So I think that can happen. But yeah, I think most people would enjoy it if they gave it their best shot. But uh, yeah, what do you think, Mike? I'd agree with that. I think that some people, well, the chance of you getting hurt in jujitsu over a length of time is about a hundred percent, whether it's a minor injury or a major injury, you might sprain your toe, but some people just don't even like the fact that they may get hurt, you know, so it might not be for everybody, but yeah. But I think it's when people are, are super worried about getting hurt. It's like, well, you should always be, you should also be worried about sitting on the couch, watching Netflix, doing nothing. Right. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to do damage to your, um, you know, your ligaments and stuff, but it's going to do more damage to your organs. So it's like, you know, do we want to make our bodies healthier from the inside out overall and risk, you know, certain things getting injured? I'll take that risk um, because if you don't, you know, if you use your body, it's going to take damage. If you don't use your body, you're going to take damage. It's just, you know, that's the way our bodies work. So, um, you know, it's like when people kind of overstress about the injury factor, um, yeah, you don't see people stressing too much about, you know, uh, a sedentary lifestyle. So I think, um, you know, both have their pros, pros and cons, dangers and risks. And I'll, I'll take doing jujitsu all day. And I think if you practice, you know, train smart, you can stay, uh, you can stay safe for a long time. Uh, what are your thoughts on it, Joey? Uh, I actually really like this guy's point that jujitsu is for anybody. Like anyone can do it pretty much. Like, I mean, there's, <laughs> I think there's a blind grappler out of New Zealand or something who just won a tournament and got his black belt. He's quite talented, but yeah, you know, is. you see people with disabilities doing jujitsu, but it's definitely not for everyone. I mean, I wish it was like, I would love that. I would love to be able to teach everybody, but I don't think anything is for everybody. I mean, it takes a lot of different people to make the world work. And there's just people who aren't going to be interested in like sport in general, or like, especially a physical contact sport like jujitsu uh like you know people could say like oh soccer is for everybody but like i don't like playing soccer i don't enjoy it it's it's not that i can't play it like anybody could probably play it i just don't enjoy it so like i I actually really agree with this point i know a lot of people think it's probably like a really small silly distinction but it is kind of important yeah i mean like um you know there are a lot of older people that do jujitsu it's pretty cool to see like you in their 70s or 80s but is it like, uh, can every 70 and 80 year old do jujitsu safely? Um, I would think that there's quite a few that can't. So, um, you know, cause not everyone takes care of their bodies. There's 70 year olds with, uh, their body in better condition than 40 year olds and, and vice versa. There's people, you know, it's just like, um, you need to take care of, care of your body. So if you put yourself in a position where, 
or maybe it's not intentional to maybe something happened to you where, you know, you can't physically do jujitsu. I mean, that's a, that's definitely a possibility. So I, I find this, this, uh, this comment from this, uh, Redditor pretty interesting and I'm interested in your takes on it. So I'll let you guys answer first, but he's saying the idea that stand up is, is about only learning a takedown. It's like someone in BJJ only watching to learn an arm bar and then thinking now they have a ground game. So, uh, what's your take on this, Joey? I'm just a little confused. I mean, I don't think most people in jujitsu would say that learning one takedown is learning stand up. I think most people in jujitsu are pretty aware that like when it comes to like actual like combat stand up encompasses a lot more than just a singular takedown. I think people just don't care. Uh, like I know most people I talk to, if you said like stand up fighting, they'd be like, Oh, like striking or like, you know, like a complete wrestling game. And I don't think most people in jujitsu just care enough to add that in. I, I'm yeah, just know. really confused. I've never heard this statement. It's very strange. Yeah, I never heard it either. And nor do I think that there needs to be like a distinction about it because it's clear the objective in wrestling is to get the takedown. I mean, and get the pin too. But when we're talking from a jiu-jitsu context, we're talking about we're wanting the takedown portion of it. And of course, um, you know, like uh, there's more aspects of it, like the hand fighting and the grip. Uh, yeah, the hand fighting and the footwork. But those are things that are talked about and understood. I don't think there's any, uh, you know, there, yeah, there's nothing kind of that people don't know. People know this, you know, so I don't really get this guy's point. I, I think it's a little, uh, a little strange. And a lot of people are kind of, you know, saying the same kind of thing and a lot of comments on it. But it's like, um, yeah, who says this and is it even a big deal even worth talking about? Right. Like, yeah, that was kind of strange. Um, I'm just starting to get into the stand up portion of jujitsu. So I really don't have much to weigh in on that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we've been doing a lot of stand up. Um, this is a drill I really like and I want to mention it on the podcast because you know, maybe people can tell their coach or maybe there's coaches that are listening, but this is a really cool drill we can do. So, um, it, because the most dangerous thing in takedowns is actually finishing them. I don't think that the entries themselves are too risky for the most part. So we do this drill where if you touch the person's uh, ankle, it's three jumping jacks. And if you grab a single, it's five jumping jacks. You don't finish the single. You just grab it. Or like a body lock is 10 jumping jacks. And then sometimes we'll add in things like a uh, front headlock. That's another 10 jumping jacks. So it's like more of a game. You're trying to you're trying to get these things on the people. And they all mimic actual takedowns. But instead of, you know, working for the finish itself and having all these different variables, the target's very specific. And, uh, you know, people that would normally be too afraid to shoot for a single or shoot for a takedown of any kind, you know, get to experience this and uh, practice these valuable skills. And then once you become competent, uh, it's like, you know, now I know how to shoot for takedowns. Well, now I can start learning how to finish takedowns and really, um, you know, implement into my game more because likely I would think, you know, that that's the most important aspect of takedowns is the entry more so than the finish itself. So it's a great way to uh, practice um, entries safely. And um, it's a lot of fun too. I know like uh, everyone at the gym, including Mike yeah. is always like out of breath after. And uh, I'm just, yeah, I'm just like, so we'll do that and I'll show the technique and everyone's like dying. That's like a great warm up too, because you know, it's something you can do slow to start, you know, like, um, to warm up, you don't need to go balls to the wall. You can go, um, you know, pretty light and then kind of up the intensity. So yeah, I think it's a great way to warm up and just a really cool drill. Um, do you do any, like, do you have any cool like wrestling drills, Joey, that, uh, you might, that, yeah, maybe the audience would be interested in hearing about, or yeah. Do, do you have any? I wish I did. I don't do nearly as much wrestling as I probably should. The, I think 
like I actually really like the drill you suggested there because like like you said, the entry is the hardest part to most takedowns. And honestly, once you've entered into a takedown correctly, like once you've got a single leg picked up and controlled correctly, the finish isn't really hard to figure out. Like most yeah. takedowns, the finish is pretty straightforward. It's just a matter of getting to that point. So if you can get there without like having to actually finish it, you can really practice these things without the risk of the injury. So I kind of like that. I might try that, but uh, yeah. I don't have any other drills that I use. No, you should definitely do that because it's it's easy to like a brand new person. Um, it can be their first class and it's not like super, um, you know, confusing for them as a concept to understand, you know, grab the leg, five jumping jacks, grab the, you know, grab behind them, 10 jumping jacks, touch their ankle, three. So it's super easy that way. Yeah, I, I really agree with you when you say that the finishes themselves aren't that hard to figure out because like, you know, if you grab someone, if you grab a body lock on someone, you don't need to be like a high level wrestler to figure out how to take someone down from there. You know, at least in my opinion, I think it's pretty straightforward. Like, you know, lift them up, pull them down, like figure out a way to get them down to the ground. It's, uh, it's again, it's the entries that are more intricate than the finishes. Usually, usually the finishes, um, require, you know, I don't think they require a ton of technicality. I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, 100% require technicality, but it's almost like it's more instinctual, um, than the entries, which are way more technical and, and, you know, like the hand fighting and footwork and stuff like that. So just something I thought was uh, pretty interesting. I used to be terrified of the wrestling aspect of jujitsu and it's like exposure therapy for me. I remember telling you many times, like I'm terrified of the takedowns and that's what has stopped me from going to many tournaments is the stand up portion of jujitsu. And this is really starting to break down that wall for me and I feel way more comfortable now. So I know the next tournament I do what to expect and, you know, possibly hit a cool takedown at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Another drill we do is like uh, wall wrestling, just very similar to uh, MMA. Yeah. Kills me. Yeah, that one is very tiring. So it's like, um, you know, King of the Hill, but on the wall. So the way it works is, uh, you know, the king is on the wall. The person in line, is trying, the challenger is trying to take them down. If they take them down, then they're the new king. And uh, the former king goes to the back of the line. And... Um, yeah, that's, that's a, this is a really good drill because when you factor in the wall, um, it just creates or it prevents so many opportunities for things to go wrong, um, for injuries and stuff like that. It, like the wall really controls things and everything is the exact same. You still need to, you know, uh, get inside position to shoot for the hips. You still need to deal with underhooks. You need to, you know, circle them in, pummel them in. Um, you just learn how to physically handle somebody that way, but you don't have the same risk of being in the open kind of space where things can go much uh, more wrong. Right. So I think like those two drills themselves can really teach people how to wrestle pretty, um, pretty well. So like, because again, you get the entries for like a safe, uh, a safe way to enter. And then you go in the open, then you have a safe way to enter uh, and finish on the wall. So yeah, I really like that one. That's one we used a lot in, um, you know, in like wrestling and not wrestling, uh, MMA practice back in the day, but now I've been using it in the jiu-jitsu practice too. But, um, yeah, that's definitely how I got good. Like, uh, takedowns and wrestling was doing, uh, or in MMA was doing stuff like that. And I feel very competent on the wall. I don't think it's controversial to say that wrestlers are probably some of the best conditioned athletes in, in, uh, combat sports. Yeah. Not controversial. And also, yeah, a hundred percent true. And they're not just the best condition, but they're the hardest working and like wrestling's the hardest sport and probably the most useful sport for self-defense. Um, you know, this is a, a big can of worms. We could talk about wrestling, you know, but for sure, like it just can't be disputed, like how hard a wrestler works in the, in the wrestling room compared to the average jiu-jitsu uh, person in the jiu-jitsu room, which I think a lot of that is 
separating hobbyists from uh, competitors. I think that's a, you know, again, it kind of falls into that, but even the competitors themselves, it's like, you just can't match the wrestling intensity and, and hard work aspect of, of wrestling. It's like, uh, in wrestling and MMA, similar in this sense too, it's like you're there to train hard and nothing else matters. Just train hard and, and listen, but it's just, you know, feelings matter more and, you know, all this stuff, which is important for sure. But I, I like both. I like being like, uh, you know, a smart, good gym that takes care of everyone for sure. But I also like the, like, let's grind hard. Let's train hard. Like we're all in this to be the best. Let's go. So I like that, um, aspect of wrestling, which jujitsu doesn't always have as much. They're different sports. Um, so this person is saying the, when people say the only cardio you need is jujitsu, they're saying if you're already, in, uh, an elite athlete or having control of the practice. Sure. But anyone coming up needs strength and conditioning to break past a regional level. Um, and then, and then let's read this other person's comment to kind of, um, a rebuttal to them. They're saying to break past a regional level, suggest a, a competitive goal way beyond what 90% of students wish to achieve for the hobbyist who dominates the art. Um, just is definitely enough cardio. Uh, case in point, I started jiu jitsu at 142 uh, pounds and a wrestling heart rate of 89 beats per minute. And in three years, I was 165 pounds and 56 beats per minute. I have no interest in tournaments. I've done a few and I'm quite happy with uh, the equil equilibrium I've reached with jiu jitsu alone. So, yeah, I 100% agree with the second comment here. If you're doing, if you want to jiu jitsu at an elite level competitively, um, rolling is not enough for cardio that's 100 true you need to do real you know high intensity training build up your aerobic base all sorts of uh, lift all sorts of things that are hard to do to prepare but if you're just a recreational person and uh your cardio isn't great you can't last every single round in the gym your time might not be best spent um doing things outside of jujitsu it might be best spent just doing more rounds of jujitsu uh, for many reasons one it does build up your cardio not to elite levels but it does build up your cardio and two it makes you more efficient in your movements i mean i can tell you uh, the difference in how much calories i burnt from when i started to how much calories i burn now is like night and day difference i used to try i used to have to i used to have to try and work way harder than i do now and as you become a black belt you know you just you're just way more efficient and you can kind of, um, you know, if things start to go bad, you can just relax and figure it out. You know, you don't need to like be explosive as, as much and, you know, spam explosive movements, um, because you have the technicality. So, um, you know, I think it definitely depends. Um, but what are your guys' thoughts on this? I think this is like, uh, really interesting because like one thing I found is like, I I've rolled with a lot of people who are like, Oh yeah. Like I run marathons like every few months or whatever. And then you roll with them and they're exhausted halfway through the round. And me who like, I don't think I've run more than like five meters <laughs> in the last probably like 10 years. I just don't run. I hate it. Uh, I don't do cardio outside of jujitsu. I just walk. It's like the most intense cardio I do, but I think you really nailed it when you say like, for people who aren't trying to be elite athletes, they just want to be able to roll a little bit longer, a little bit better in the gym. I don't think cardio is the issue for most people. I think it's efficiency. Like I don't have better cardio than someone who runs a marathon, but when they're doing an activity really inefficiently and I'm doing it very efficiently, I'm going to appear to have better cardio than I do because I'm not wasting energy where I don't need to waste it. Whereas 
you know, like you roll with a lot of like, and I don't mean to throw people under the bus here, but like white or early blue belts, especially in the gi. And you feel like every grip they take, like you could feel their forearm just like clenched as tight as it can go. And it's like every second you're doing that, you're wasting energy. Like if I have a grip, I'm not putting a lot of force on that grip unless I absolutely need to at the moment. Like if you're not resisting my grip, you're just leaving it there. My hand's just kind of there holding on. Now, when you try and break it, I'll clench and hold tight or when I'm trying to pull you, but like just finding those places where you don't need to waste your strength. Support for Talk Jitsu is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's blow the waist grooming. Their products are precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped Performance Package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code JTJ at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, that's about 14 million balls. So what's your experience been with uh, Manscaped? Well, I've used probably a half a dozen different name brand products before, and they're terrible. I've cut myself every time. And these are very expensive, very well-named brand products. And with Manscaped, I've never cut myself. Exactly. And you know what I like the most about uh, the Manscaped Razor is it has a flashlight on it. And you oh, think that's the best. It's amazing. You think that, oh, it's just this like, you know, feature or whatever. But actually, it's kind of like... Uh, when you've experienced a light uh, a light on your razor you may, it makes you wonder why no other ones have that too because this is a game changer you can just see everything so much easier you know even if you don't have the perfect lighting so that was my that was my favorite aspect of it i was actually shocked how uh how, how much better it made too because i was you know doing my neckline and everything i was like oh, I, I can actually see where the line should be right because there's a light it's so simple and so smart so i really like that from manscaped 100 percent. i thought is this a gimmick and then i tried it i was like no this is this is the way it's the only razor i've ever had that has a light on it and it really <laughs> lights the way to to the way to shaving your balls it does it makes all the difference i think a lot of uh, other brands are maybe more towards like your hair or just your beard or something right but this is like the full package so yeah. uh, guys jtj at checkout let's go you know a, a white belt asked me yesterday they're like um because we're doing a lasso sweep and they're like um i, I can't uh bicep slicer right in the tournament it's illegal right I'm like, yeah. And they're like, why? I'm like, I don't know. Like, why is it illegal? How much pressure can you put on someone's bicep with a bicep slicer compared to an arm bar where you're breaking their elbow? I would argue that uh, the bicep slicer is infinitely um, safer, especially because you feel so much pain before anything can even break. Um, it can't like you can definitely break something uh, or like a bone or possibly a muscle right but you're gonna feel a lot of pain and have a lot of time to tap before that happens in most cases like it's just it's not a slow submission people can really put on as opposed to like someone exploding into an arm bar or something so yeah yeah we could talk about the rules <laughs> that could be its own um you know its own like uh podcast for sure because it is so interesting i have a question i know that adcc goes over the rule set every now and then <clears throat> excuse me does ibjjf ever go over the rule set and update I mean, other than like adding the heel hooks for brown and black uh, last year or two years ago. Yeah, every few years, they definitely like go through and change little things. I know like the 50-50 rules for like what constitutes a sweep and an advantage in points has been changed like five or six times. Uh, it's really confusing as someone who's taken IBJJF ref courses and then a year later, the rules are different and you're trying to like, wait, what, what changed? I'm not sure, but they do update them relatively regularly, probably not as much as they should, but they do go through and update them. But I mean like a major change, like adding the, the reap and the heel hook that that was a pretty major thing they did. Right. Yeah, do they ever, has, has anything like that ever happened before in the past where they've added slicers to lower belts or, 
or things of that nature? Not to my knowledge. Well, I would say the biggest uh, impact on the rules they made before that was probably when they implemented the double guard uh, pull rule. And um, Mm -hmm. maybe, Joe, you can clarify better than I can. But um, so basically, back in the day, people were doing double guard pulls. It was really boring. So what they did was um, whoever comes up first within the 30 seconds uh, gets two points for a sweep. And if neither do within 30 seconds, then both get a penalty. Is Is that how it goes? Yeah. Yeah, so like okay. now if both people sit to guard at the same time, someone has to come up on top to get the points. And if you don't, uh, it's penalties for both and the ref will stand you back up. But like what Jordan mentioned in the old days, you used to see two people double guard pull. And because it was just an advantage to come up from the double guard pull back then, people just wouldn't do it. And there was no penalty for it. So you just end up with a match where both people pull and sit and no one ever comes on top. So I actually really think that was a good change. I, I like that change. Yeah, like I'm, I'm making a YouTube video. It'll probably be up by the time people watch it. But uh, I, I mentioned that in it, how um, it's because it's like the most hated techniques in jiu-jitsu. So like double guard pull is even more hated than the single guard pull, right? So uh, yeah, I, I cover that there. And yeah, it's like, I'm glad they implemented that because I remember in like 2013-ish around there when I was kind of beginning in jiu-jitsu, that's what everyone did. They just double guard pull. They try to bear and bowl of each other. And even at the time, my white belt self was thinking like, where's Jitsu heading? Like, I don't want to have to like do this stuff to win. Like I'd rather do like more quote unquote real Jitsu. And it was kind of frustrating me. It's like, yeah, I don't want to have to like just do what everyone else does and do bear and bolos and double guard pull. But um, one thing I think is really interesting um, is that, you know, when someone, when people are doing something uh, or everyone's doing one thing, uh, often it is better to take your own path and do something else. So um, I think one thing that's interesting within like the jiu-jitsu meta, you know, it's always changing all the time. So it's hard to take the meta of jiu-jitsu, what's happening like right now and or right now, you know, a year ago or right now, two years ago, or right now, you know, a year from now when it is the present, like it's hard to take all that like super serious as that's the way jiu-jitsu is supposed to be because i feel like right now sometimes people interpret like the meta within like competitive jiu-jitsu as like you know what everyone else should be doing too so if like gordon ryan is doing something like body lock passing it's like that's what everyone should get on right now that's the best stuff but you know gordon ryan could do well with like any style of passing and then um you know trying to trick people in a sense to thinking that that's the best but it's because he's the best doing it right so I think people should take the meta within jiu-jitsu always with a grain of salt because everything changes so fast in jiu-jitsu and um you know we've been around a long time joey so we've seen all this stuff but it's so many lower belts that are just uh they haven't experienced this so like it's a new technique comes in like um like what's it called the uh from side control that the the buggy Buggy. choke yeah people hate that right and i see people on reddit just like or just talking in real life, just like talking mad shit about it. They're like, oh, this is the worst thing for the sport, whatever. It's like, guys, this is like a fad right now. And it will it'll go away in the sense that not everyone's going to be doing it. But now it's going to be a tool in the toolkit, which is awesome to have more uh, tools available to us. It's just always awesome. So it was the same thing with the Baron Bolo. I use the Baron Bolo um, from time to time, but I don't you know, have my whole game based around it, which 100% is what people did back in the day in like 2013. And, um, you know, I'm glad I didn't do that because 
yeah, why would I want to limit myself to the meta of 2013, right? So it's the same thing now. Um, for anyone listening, you know, maybe they want to specialize in whatever the meta is right now, which I think probably is kind of going away from like locks even and is more like pressure, like mount and cook people. Well, maybe that won't be the best, uh, you know, game plan in five years from now. Gordon's going to be do something else. So, um, yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think that's pretty interesting. That's a little, <laughs> a little rant from me. But uh, yeah, we'll do this next one. Um, so this person's saying, maybe not an adage, but I hate how people, uh, sorry, I hate how everyone loves telling everyone how much they suck. Like, we get it. If you compare yourself to top elite, the top elite, we all suck. But to me, it comes off as fake humility because they're afraid that a higher belt might come along and say they're wrong or something. It's okay to be good and be confident about your jiu-jitsu. So, man, I uh, yeah, I 100% agree with this. I think people are way too uh, self-depreciating about their jiu-jitsu. Because realistically, I mean, most people are pretty good just to compared to the rest of the population, which, you know, aren't very good because they don't train. So, um, you know, most people that do jujitsu could take a brand new person pretty easily. And um, the differences between them and, you know, other people you probably aren't going to be super vast unless they're like uh, world champions or way bell levels ahead of them. It's like two blue belts. They should be pretty similar, um, you know, in uh, in skill and whatnot. So. You know, yeah, I don't I don't think people should be so, um, you know, self-depreciating. And I think there's nothing wrong with admitting you're good at something, too. It's like, you know, I feel like people try to give me a hard time, too, for like people either say I'm humble or they say I'm cocky because they because if they ever say it heard me say like I'm good at something or whatever, it's like they don't some people don't like that. But I think there's nothing wrong with um, if you are good at something to admit it, like, you know why is it cocky to say I'm good at jujitsu? That's what I do for a living. I've done this for a living for years. I made my whole life around it, studied it for my, for like the last 10 years of my life. Like why, why is it cocky to say I'm good at jujitsu? I'm not saying I'm the best in the world, but um, yeah, I think like it goes both ways. Like people shouldn't say how, how garbage they are and people shouldn't, shouldn't be a problem to say, yeah, you know, I'm pretty good at jujitsu. It's like not the end of the world. Uh, Mike, what are your experience with this? I'm, I'm guilty of this. I I'm self-deprecating, uh, but I'm not doing it to get a, to get a compliment from somebody. I do it because I gen genuinely believe that it's just the way I am with my anxiety and, you know, BDD and stuff like that. Just like if I take off my shirt and look in the mirror, I think I look disgusting when somebody else might say you're in decent shape for your age. It's the same with jujitsu. I think I'm, you know, most of the time I think I'm terrible and it's just me with depression and anxiety getting at me. But, uh, you know, I know I'm, I know I'm decent. I can keep up with the, with people half my age. So I know I'm okay at it, but to, to me, yeah, I always say that I suck and I know it's annoying to people, but Hey, well, I wouldn't say it's annoying to people, but I'm sure there are just people out there like me too. It's like, no, you know, you're good. You don't need to say that, you know, cause you are good, Mike. And, um, you. yeah, you are. So nothing wrong with that. And I think it's so interesting too. people can experience mental issues so differently because, you know, I experienced some depression, anxiety too, just like you do, Mike, but, um, that kind of thing is never, I never experienced it that way. Like from like day one, white belt or whatever, I'm thinking I'm going to be the best. I'm going to beat all you guys that can beat me. This you, uh, give me a couple of years and there's no chance. Like that's like my, I guess I can't have a cocky mentality at, at times. Right. But it's also just, um, self-belief, you know, if, if you believe you can do something, um, I don't think that's cocky either. So yeah, I never had that issue where I thought I was bad or, you know, had the self-depreciating, but I think we have such different personalities that way. I think that really contributes to it, but yeah, I yeah. wish, I wish I had more of that outlook. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, really do. I wish I had a little bit less just because like, <laughs> man, it's like hard to, because I see any like opportunity. I think I can do that. You know, I've talked on the podcast before. It's like, I think, Oh, prime minister, I can do that. You know, I can, I can become prime because why can't I, you know what I mean? Why can't you do what you want to do? Everyone that's achieved something that you want to achieve. Um, it's just a normal person, right? They figured out a way to do it. So every single thing that, um, I want and I want to achieve, I don't see it as not possible and see it as possible. So yeah, I think that's a good mentality besides people, they give me a hard time about it. But, um, yeah, uh, Joey, what's your, uh, I think you've been you know, a little, you got that I'm okay at jujitsu shirt, even a little self-depreciating, but I'm sure you recognize too, that you've got, you know, quite good skills for a black belt. Yeah. I mean, like I, you know, I think a lot of it comes down to like what you're comparing yourself to. Like if I compare myself to like Gordon Ryan or like the Rutola brothers, like, no, I probably suck compared to them. I'm sure they'd beat the hell out of me. But if you give me most like outside of like world champion, like purple belts or below, I'll probably beat them pretty handily. Like I'm not bad. It's just, um, I think what happens a lot of the time too is especially people who compete, you compare yourself to the best or like the guys that you want to compete against. And like in that regard, like, no, I don't think I'm good. I don't think I'm ever going to win a world championship, but for like a local level, I think I'm a pretty good black belt. So I think a lot of it just comes down to what you compare yourself to. And I think it's harder with jujitsu because I, I think maybe just because the pros are just, maybe they seem more like everyday people. Like you wouldn't compare yourself if you're a guy who plays like adult rec league hockey to like the best guys in the NHL because they're so far removed from you. You don't even practice with them. You don't even get to look at them. You have to pay to go watch them. Whereas in jujitsu, there can be a pro guy on the mat in your class. Like you could pay enough money and just go compete against, you know, some of the best guys in the world in the IBJJF tournaments. Like you can do that as a regular guy. So people tend to compare themselves to that because it's accessible. Whereas in like no other sport, like you can't, pay money and then just go compete in like the world tennis championships or something like you have to qualify for these things. And for most people, that's just never going to happen. So you don't even bother comparing yourself to them. Yeah, exactly. I think I think it is what it is a lot. Just yeah. like comparison for no reason. And like you said, other sports for the most part uh, aren't really like this. It's like jujitsu has this like kind of problem where people really compare themselves to you know, high level competitors or even, you know, just anyone, people in their gym and they start feeling down Oh, this person started a similar time than I did, but they're better than me or whatever. It's like, yeah, comparison is a thief of joy. So, um, you know, I've said it for a long time. It's like, if you only take, if you only want to do this recreational, which is hundred percent fine, don't be hard on yourself. Don't compare yourself to others. There's just no value in it. If you want to be the absolute best, then take that mentality. I think that that is the only time it can call for it. And even then it sometimes it can be a negative aspect to it. So, um, yeah, like I said, everyone just have a good time training jujitsu and, uh, and you'll have a better time training jujitsu if you have that mentality. So, um, this person's saying, um, when people say a blue belt could handle themselves against 99% of untrained people in the streets. So basically what they're saying is that if you're a blue belt, you can handle the majority of people on the, on the, on the streets fighting, right? So this is my uh, take on this. This is maybe that's true in the sense that you might be able to beat 99% of the people out there. But you're not going to be able to beat 99% of the people out there that want to fight you because the percentage of the people that want to fight you are probably people that, um, you know, have been in fights before 
um, have some, you know, danger to them and uh, aren't just like some 90 year old granny. Because if we're saying 99% of people out there, we have to include everyone. So kids, old people, uh, you know, people with you know, hand, handicap or diseases, whatever it is, we got to include literally everyone, right? But those people aren't going to fight you. If you go, if you go somewhere and someone wants to fight you, I guarantee that person has been in a fight before and, um, they, they're not quite the same as someone that's completely untrained. Yeah. They're not going to be great, but, um, they've been punched before they punched someone else before and you don't want to risk fighting ever, yeah. you know, ever. So yeah, that's my thoughts on this. What are your thoughts, Joey? I, I think there's a really interesting distinction that has to be made here. The statement of like a blue belt would beat 99% of people in the streets is incorrect. I, what I would say is true is a blue belt could beat 99% of the people on the streets. There's a big difference between could and would. I mean, like I could maybe beat Brock Lesnar. I know how to do a heel hook. It's a chance it happens. Most likely it won't. But the possibility does exist. Like there's a possibility with a blue belt against most people that, you know, he gets a takedown, he gets on top and does mount control things, you know, finishes with punches or a choke. Doesn't mean that's going to happen every time. And like you said, like avoid fights because just because you could beat someone doesn't mean you would beat someone like the best people in the world lose it. Like things happen, you know, like I know a lot of people watch MMA and they think that like there's not consequences to this stuff, but there is like, you know, even the best MMA fighters lose sometimes like George St. Pierre, one of the best ever has lost twice, has been knocked out, has been submitted. These guys could beat him. It doesn't mean they would, but they could even the best guy in the world. So like, you gotta be aware of that. When you say like, I would beat these people in a fight. You mean you could beat them in a fight, not you would. Yeah, as a blanket statement, I disagree with it as well. You could have a, a 65-year-old blue belt that just got their blue belt. So they they, they are in this uh, analogy and uh, they could go against a 6'4 ex-hockey player that knocks the shit out of them in about five seconds, you know, before he has a time to even start to think about a takedown. So, yeah, I disagree with that statement. I think we have, as a, as a blue belt, I think I have a better chance than somebody who has never trained, but... I don't think I could take 99% of people on the street for sure. Yeah. And then look at who, again, who is going to be provoking the fights, trying to start fights. These people might have knives and guns and stuff like that, or friends. They yeah. might be like, um, mentally you know, unstable. Yeah. Mentally unstable on sort of substances that, uh, you know, numb their, uh, pain receptors and stuff like that. There's so many factors. And again, because I think it's so important, we need to differentiate too, that who is going to try to fight you on the streets. Again, it's not the grannies. It's not the, it's not the unintimidating people. It's, it's, it's the people that actually can cause issue. And a cool quote I heard, um, I mean, it's slightly irrelevant, but a cool quote I heard is that, uh, in a knife fight, the winner dies, no, the loser dies in the alley and the winner dies in the hospital because like you're both getting stabbed. You're both getting stabbed and you're both going to um, bleed quite a bit. And yeah. probably whoever got stabbed in like the worst places to bleed out the quickest is going to die. But, you know, the other person still got stabbed. You know, there can be a lot of stabbings in, in, uh, in a short fight. So you just never want to ever put yourself in a position where anything could go wrong. Just never fight, you know. And I know all our listeners um, understand that because we talk about that multiple times for sure. But we got Yeah, we got to send out more more reels and uh verticals for tiktok and instagram just reminding people don't fight you know there's no point of having this confidence uh especially false confidence a lot because yeah we can talk about this forever but i don't think jujitsu is going to be 
your best bet unless it does go to the ground. But like wrestling, if you can wrestle someone, um, you dictate where the fight goes, probably one takedown is going to like knock the person out and which you don't want to do either because now you could be going to jail. Right. So, but yeah, wrestling is like uh, overpowered. And and also because the reason is because the people that do wrestling are just badasses. Just the reality they're they take their conditioning seriously, their sports seriously. Like, um, yeah, I would not want to fight like a D1 uh, wrestler. That's for sure. Uh, in a street fight, um, you know, I, I, I like my chances, but their chances are good too. They're very skilled in what they're doing. So that's not something I want to take any risk whatsoever there for sure. There's many videos on the internet you can, you can watch of a guy, a wrestler taking a guy and slamming him on concrete and that's it. It's over. Game exactly. over. Because I've been talking, I've been, I've been talking to Nikki a lot about this too. Um, just, I just think that the human body is actually super fragile and weak. Like it does not take much to, do bad damage to our bodies like a blow to the head can be so bad you know and like um just in general yeah it's just our bodies can't take that much so you know thank god there's a ref in in an mma fight and they stop it after you know the person goes unconscious and i hate when i see fights after the after the refs or after the guys already knocked out because like those punches are so damaging and can really kill someone i remember i saw um it was a slam it was jordan levitt slammed um Ah, I forget the guy's name. He's a, he was like a, a journeyman, kind of like a legend in the sense he's been training, he's been fighting a long time, but he slammed him and I thought he was dead, like legit. I was actually worried for him when I saw it. I was thinking maybe MMA is a little bit too brutal for me and I've loved MMA forever. But when I saw that slam, it was just like this guy has been unconscious for minutes. You know, this is not good for his brain. You know, how's his brain going to be in the future with CTE and all this stuff? And it was, I didn't like watching that. I felt super uncomfortable. I, knockouts themselves are fun to watch but you always got to feel bad for the person that gets knocked out it's it's so bad for their body and so yeah it's so bad for their whole lives and everything you know so yeah i don't like that but you know no i think I, we we have to be honest about it too like the ufc is the place where these guys have the most protections the most like talented fighters who should be the best at defending themselves but I think people are kidding themselves if they think at some point if the ufc continues someone's gonna die in the octagon it's going to happen. Someone's going to get slammed on the head or hit in the wrong way. Someone will die. It will happen. This is a fight. Things can happen. The human body is weak. Like your neck's not that strong. If you get slammed on the back of your head, you could die. There's been MMA fighters who've died in the hospital after fights. There's been boxers who've died after fights. It's This is dangerous. And I think a lot of people get a false sense of security because they watch people do this on a semi-padded floor with a referee there to protect them when people are wearing gloves and there are rules to try and stop punches to the back of the head and things that are deemed dangerous. People get a false sense of security about how safe they are. And it's like a fight is real and those consequences can be forever. Like Mike, you mentioned videos of wrestlers like slamming people on concrete if you're the wrestler and you slam a guy in the concrete and he dies, you're going to jail, buddy. Like that, that's it. Like you made a mistake or probably over a fight you didn't have to take, you know, you probably could have not fought a guy or slammed him into the concrete and your life is ruined. Yeah, exactly. Just, uh, just never worth it, you know? Um, so let's take another, uh, comments. So this person's saying when people call jujitsu, the gentle art, that kind of, uh, they don't really like that. They don't think it's the gentle art. They don't agree. They're saying sitting here, the broken rib, <laughs> two ribs of pop cartilage and a and twisted neck. So um, this person says, my man, tap early, tap often. Uh, I mean, it's not always tapping can always prevent rib injuries. I would say that in most cases, if not like all uh, rib injury isn't going to be caused by submission. 
it's probably going to be caused by like people's weight falling on you or someone, you know, just too heavy of a pressure and side control and stuff like that. Um, you know, I think that it, it can be the gentle art if you roll like flowy, but yeah, I wouldn't really call it the gentle art either. It's like, um, yeah, it's not quite the gentle art when someone's like stacking the crap out of your neck or whatever and, or whatever they're doing. It's like, is yeah, I don't remember being gentle. For, so like, for example, like Darren, uh, I love Darren. He's a very technical, great dude, but his jujitsu is painful. Oh it's just, God. there's just no way about it. Like Darren, this, like this, this hurts. He's not like doing, he's okay. I want to clarify. He's not being aggressive. He's not doing dick jitsu either. It's just like his style is so grindy. So like if he, if he gets to inside control, it's just like, he just grinds the shit out of your arm until it's like eventually gone, like uh, separated from your body. But the whole experience is so painful. I never experienced it in my life before. Yeah. Right. So I would say like his, uh, yeah, his jitsu is not the gentle art, but then, I mean, you know, I guess you could say, cause I think I have like very opposite style to him where I don't think people feel much pain rolling with me just because I'm so like more, more like dynamic. Um, and one style isn't better than others. So I'm not saying like, oh, mine's better or anything, but yeah, I, I guess it depends on your style. I guess that's what I'm kind of trying to say. Yeah. What do you guys think? Dude, when I was Darren's Uki, whenever I'm a Zuki, uh, I have to whisper to him, Hey man, can you, can He's up a bit because like, holy shit, it feels like my bones are going to explode. <laughs> and I know he's not trying to hurt me or not trying to put on. It's just hit the way he does jujitsu. Everything hurts. And he's like you said, he's not being a dick about it neither. But oh, fuck, man, it's brutal. But anyways, about this, uh, the gentle, I think it can be the gentle art because you can put somebody to sleep. You can make them stop by just extending their arm. You don't have to break it. It's not like a concussive blow to the head, like in boxing or in MMA or taking a shin to the dome. You can, you can end the fight with a rear naked choke and gently, I guess. So yeah, a little bit gentle. I think it's kind of like for our conversation earlier, like, what are we comparing it to? Like when people say they're not good at jujitsu, like what are you comparing it to? Is it gentle compared to boxing? Yeah, probably. Cause I'm not whacking another dude in the head. Is it gentle compared to checkers or chess? No, not really. It's a lot less gentle than that. So like, are you comparing it to other fighting sports? In which case, yeah, I guess it is kind of gentle in a way. It's definitely more gentle than wrestling or judo where you're just smashing human bodies into the ground nonstop. So in a way, yeah, I guess. It, again, it comes down to what you're comparing it to. Yeah, exactly. If there was like two sports you could never say it's the gentle art, I would say wrestling and judo are like uh, are that for sure. I would never, um, you know, wrestling and judo are great, but I would never want to belong to a wrestling or judo club at the age I'm at now, which is only 32, but like, I just, I would, I don't want to be thrown around. <laughs> like at the, I feel too old in the sense, like I've been there, done that. I don't want to be thrown around anymore. It hurts. So, um, but for those that do enjoy it, you know, all the power to you, but it's definitely hard on your sport body, uh, are these takedowns for sure. That's why I'm always glad when you use me for the, okay, when you're doing throws that you're gentle with me, because I'm, I'm creeping up on 50 here and these bones, they're not going to be, they, they separate easy. They break very easily. You know what I mean? And I had one guy just on the same subject we were talking about earlier. I had one guy online tell me that there's no way you can get a concussion with Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I argued that you can 100% get a concussion. You can get a concussion from water skiing for Christ's sakes, just bouncing up and down, right? You know, subconcussive blows and stuff like that. But you can 100% get a concussion from anything, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not even a, 
a question like what kind of what kind of statement is that i know someone that uh well first off let's just say everyone's been hit in the face before we all know that a concussion is possible but like i had one of my friends she got kneed in the head and like the hematoma she had which is the biggest i ever seen in my life it was uh insane and she had a really bad concussion for months and um you know that kind of scared me a little bit i'm like because i take my brain very seriously because I'm, I am very worried about, I used to spar hard back in the day. And, um, you know, that's one reason I don't want to do MMA that much now is I don't want to take more blows to the head. So yeah, that's something that always scares me blows to the head. So when I saw her, um, so damaged from it, I was like, Oh shit, like this can happen to me, but I haven't, I've, that's, I've only seen something happen that bad in that case. Um, but I have known other people to get concussions, but that was definitely the worst case. Um, but Joey, have you seen anyone have any really bad concussions? Have you experienced any yourself? I don't know if I've experienced any from jujitsu. I've had them like a bunch from other sports. Uh, so I am always kind of like worried about it because like you said, like I care about my brain. I, I would like to be able to be functional later in my life and not have my brain become like mush just because I abused it too hard early in my life. But uh, I have definitely seen some in jujitsu, you know, like, things happen Two people scramble and try and come up at the same time you collide heads. Like that's a good way to get a concussion is to smack your head into another person's head. Like I've seen it. It happens. Um, maybe they're not as bad or violent as the concussions you get in other sports, but it's definitely silly to think that it can't happen. I've definitely had my bell rung and saw stars. Like, I don't know if that's a concussion when you're seeing sparks of light after you get a, a blow to the head. Cause I've had that happen to me. It's definitely not good. Yeah, it's might, not good. It might not be like a full fledged concussion, but definitely not good. So anytime you have like stars or headache or anything like that, it's uh yeah, not a good sign. Not in the sense that like you did like irreversible, yeah. terrible damage, but yeah, anything to your brain is bad. Um, yeah, any any little hit, like even like um, you know, like if you were to go to like a metal concert and like uh you know like, or even you just do it at your home and just listen to music whatever right but like that's not good um you know i try to limit any kind of motion that way myself because that's what causes a concussion is your brain rattling within your uh, skull so um you know your your skull is hollow with the brain inside it's not completely um you know what's i guess tight in the sense so if it gets where depending on where you get hit in your head it's going to rattle the brain and then your brain's like uh i don't want to deal with this this is not good turns right off so which probably isn't the best response either um you know in a lot of situations right we've talked about it before and yeah like just the same thing about peeing and pooping yourself and uh yeah you people were telling us we already knew yeah it's like a biological response i already knew that i was just like but like why why does our body want to do that that was more my question and the same thing with like knocking yourself out like or your body turns itself off like i just don't know if that's always the best option from your body like wouldn't you rather wouldn't your body be like i should probably stay awake right now so i can get out of here but um yeah i'm not a biologist maybe joey maybe you know why. Yeah. i don't know uh from what i've like read and what i understand is like that reaction is basically your body's way of stopping you from doing whatever activity got you whacked in the head hard enough to warrant that response so like if you were in a fight like the brain shuts off because it wants to stop you from continuing to take that kind of damage uh and like you get other things like you know in a car crash like this is anecdotal obviously but like unfortunately people who are like really inebriated in car crashes actually tend to have a relatively high survival rate because your body goes limp uh and you're less likely to suffer like extreme whiplash and other like injuries like that like traumatic injuries like 
sometimes your body shutting itself off is actually its way of trying to protect you from like getting rigid and having worse damage done or continuing to do whatever it was that should have shut you off. That makes sense. If only it could shut off the other person's brain, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like for fighting, like that'd be more helpful right now. But, um, yeah, obviously we have, we're limited in what our bodies and brains can do, but that'd be a pretty cool feature. Right. So, yeah. uh, Let's just take a couple more. Uh, this person's saying when people say that training in gi makes you makes your no gi better, they they don't agree with that. Um, so I disagree with this entirely. But let me caveat too. So um, okay, training gi will absolutely make your no gi better. Training no gi will make your gi better. Grappling is grappling. Yeah, there's some differences, but it's going to make you better, you know, but is it the most optimal thing to do? If like you want to be only a no gi grappler, is it beneficial to train in the gi? Um, it can be, you know, it can help you with control and slowing things down, but I don't think it's essential to your progress as a no gi grappler to train some, some gi and same with MMA. You know, I encourage people that are MMA fighters to train the gi too, because a, a couple of reasons it's just extra grappling. And then two, it's just a different style and things, you know, that can, things that can help you again, mostly, mostly control because you don't have that as much, um, in Nogi, but I mean, you could argue too, just spending more time in Nogi, uh, focusing on your control there is like more beneficial for your time. So I don't think there's any, like, I don't think you could definitively say either way, but you definitely can't say that it, you know, I guess I think you can't say either way if it makes your jujitsu better than, uh, or it's the optimal way. But yeah, I think that like doing gi is going to make your nogi better. Doing nogi is going to make your gi better. But what, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, like just doing grappling will make you better. Like gi has its own advantages. I mean, like if you can escape side control in the gi, you should be able to escape side control in nogi much easier. There's less things for the guy to hold you down with. Like it should translate well. Um, obviously, like if your whole gi practice is you trying gi chokes, maybe that's not the best use of your time if you're trying to get better at gi. But I know you and I both have games that are pretty easy to like translate between the two. Like it's, you know, it's not hard to turn a back take in gi into a back take for no gi. It's really similar skills. You just, you might have to substitute a grip here or there for something else, but like, they're transferable skills. I mean, if I had a hockey player who told me he wanted to get better at skating for hockey, so he was going to do figure skating classes, well, it's not going to hurt. It might not be the absolute peak best use of your time, but it's not going to make you worse. It's going to give you some benefit. It's just about like, do you want to maximize that benefit? If I was only competing in Noki and that's all I had to do, maybe then, yeah, I might only train Nogi, but like, I like competing in both, so I'm going to do both, but I don't look at them as like completely separate entities. There's like probably 95% of them overlap, so it's going to make you better. Yeah, it's similar to like uh, Lomachenko, boxer. His, uh, his parents put him in dance while he was a kid because they th thought that would help him with his uh, boxing, which I think it did because he does definitely kind of dance around in their great footwork, but you know, would he even one of the greatest boxers of all time having not done that and just box during those times probably you know so what was what was the best use of time maybe in this case maybe dancing was good because then he you know, avoids hits to the brain and stuff like that but it's a very different thing because these actually are two different sports but i find it kind of interesting um you know because i posted uh we talked about this too last podcast um yeah, i posted like what's better for self-defense gi or no gi and there's so many people saying um that 
that they're di- entirely different sports. Like you know, that, like gi is like chess and no gi is like checkers. They're entirely different sports. It's like no, they're not. They're these. These are so similar. This is the same sport, just a different outfit. You know, the, I think you're right in the sense that like ninety five percent of it's the same, and like five percent. You know, maybe more. I don't know. Maybe ninety. I don't know. The calculations don't really matter, but definitely it's the same stuff, just like different grips and you know. Yeah, I don't think that it should be differentiated as much as like I think as lower belts kind of differentiate more. I think like higher belts kind of realize like it's the same stuff. What do you, what do you think, Mike? Uh, I just wonder like if that's if that's the truth. I'm going to take a devil's advocate. I'll be devil's ad, uh, edit this properly. <laughs> I'm going to be devil's advocate here and say then why wouldn't a judoka train like a wrestler, and why wouldn't a wrestler train with a judo uh, kimono then? Uh, just because of the rule set of their sport. Um, so the, the rules are so different between wrestling and judo and what's allowable and not allowable that you just wouldn't, it wouldn't confer any benefit really. Like a wrestler will never have to deal with a gi grip. It's just not something they have to deal with their upper body grips. They're going to experience without a gi are going to be very different. And it's a very hyper specialized sport that way. The same way, like a lot of judo requires the gi grip like it's not modifiable it's just that's what it is there isn't no gi judo as a sport like a a judo person could do no gi and get better at judo but why would you ever do that for a sport that doesn't even have the no gi option you would just do the only way to do the sport yeah you know i think in your example because i kind of i see both your points and i think your example joey um, I think the wrestler benefits more in that situation uh, going with the judo guy than vice versa um, because they can still take those grips, but the judo guy can't, um, right? They can't take their grips. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure that there are some examples of like wrestlers that did judo too, either growing up or they added to their thing that it, it improved their overall game. So I could definitely see it happening a lot more. Like in wrestling, there is a lot, there is like trips and stuff like that, but if you do this stuff from like a judo context and focus, I think your foot sweeps and your uchimatas and stuff like that are going to get better than doing pure wrestling just by itself. So mm-hmm. yeah, I can definitely see both your points for sure. It's also like, I think it should be noted that just because those people don't train uh, in the different modalities, like throwing on a gi or taking off a gi for the judo player, doesn't mean they wouldn't benefit from doing that. Um, one thing you see a lot is people who train primarily gi that i've noticed as a coach is when they train no gi it really helps work on their problem solving skills so when we train gi all the time you get really used to like the meta game of what's happening you know i'm going to grip here or i need these grips to do these things and when you take these things away from these people you force them to think on the fly and actually problem solve their way through a situation as opposed to just doing what they always do are using their habits. They're now thinking, and that can really translate well to building new skills in the gi when you have to think through those problems. I think that's a great way of putting it. I think that's actually how I improve the most now that, you know, I'm a black belt and everything. It's like when I do have to problem solve, you know, when like I haven't experienced something quite, quite like this before. Now I have to think, okay, what, what should I do in this situation? And then once I figure that out, well, now I know how to deal with them them next time or someone does something like that or similar. Yeah. Next time as well. So yeah, problem solving can be such a great way to learn. Right. So people that are lower belts, you know, that are, are wondering if they should do one or the other, 
I think that's a great uh, point you're making is, is the problem solving aspect of the gi that sometimes no gi can provide uh, in the same sense because you do get so much more tied up and stuff like that. So yeah, I think that's a really good point. We'll take two more. Uh, it's getting a little long right now, but we'll take too long. So this person's saying, when people say jujitsu is my therapist, they're saying guy who clearly needs a therapist, uh, or clearly needs therapy. Therapy. I think sometimes people can go a little bit too much. Well, if it's their own feelings, then they can do whatever they want. But sometimes people do get a little more, a little like mystical about it. Like jujitsu saved my life, but jujitsu saved a lot of people's lives, like legit. So, um, I, sometimes people discredit that, and they shouldn't because even if it saves one person's life, life clearly it can save lives. I know Mike has benefited quite a bit from jujitsu. So yeah, I say this all the time. Jujitsu is my therapy. So, uh, I've even told my, do my doctor knows about this. He's, he recommends me to go to jujitsu as much as I possibly can, because he's seen the difference in me since I started. I, I was a shell of who I am today when I started. Yeah. And I think we shouldn't, uh, discount alternatives to therapy all the same that we shouldn't discount therapy because exactly. yeah, therapy doesn't work for everyone. Jujitsu doesn't make everyone not depressed, but it does make some people less depressed. You know, is, is it going to cure completely likely not, but is it going to improve your life? Probably. And if an improved life, uh, usually a lot of that comes with improved mental health, which all kind of goes together. So yeah, we can't discount the mental health benefits of it, but we also can't be like, this is a one size fits all. You don't need medication or therapy, just take jujitsu, right? But yeah. um, yeah, sometimes for some people, medication doesn't work either, right? So, and for a lot of people, um, you know, just having people to hang out with, uh, physical sport to do, you know, just all the benefits of it, it's just, it's going to be enough for them to, live a better life and you know can you cure depression entirely well can can uh you know can therapy cure it entirely maybe in some cases but for many uh, it doesn't cure it entirely same with medication not entirely uh, i think these things need to be approached from multiple different angles to really find out what's the root cause of your unhappiness and your depression and everything to to make you better right See, for jiu-jitsu it opened up so many more doors socially for me too i was i was the guy that stayed at home all the time 24 7 i'd never left the house i had no friends so when i went to jiu-jitsu not only did i get exercise i got uh self uh respect you know i didn't uh i didn't um talk to anybody so i met friends i have a social circle now so it just it, it was the gap it filled the gap that i had yeah you know, I, if, it just changed so many things for me i i think that's the main benefit i experienced as well because you know I, i'm not and especially i wasn't the most social person so like just being in the setting where you know especially as a higher belt and instructor people they take they respect you and they take you serious and they're you know what you have to say and all that kind of stuff and it just you know, it just means a lot to me because yeah, like I was so scared and nervous to talk to anyone in the past, like before I started jujitsu and it really helped me realize that people are generally very similar. They just want to be happy. Most people aren't assholes. Most people just want to see you progress and all that stuff together. So it kind of showed me what like real life is and how people actually are. Because if you've only experienced like before I started jujitsu, that was like, I only had like high school and then, um, you know, started working at Walmart for a bit and then I started jujitsu, but you know, at that time I felt like people were scary. I felt like, you know, everyone's an asshole kind of out to get me. And, um, yeah, just to open my eyes, it's like, no, people are pretty chill and we, we all share common interests. So yeah, I, I can't explain enough how jujitsu has benefited my life. And, um, you know, 
my mental health, everything. And I make a living from it. So it's just incredible, you know, the benefits I've had from it. So let's take, uh, let's take one more. And, uh, yeah, let me see. They're saying anal isn't gay. If you're wearing a gi, (laughs) I don't even know what they mean by that. Like, why would that factor in? So guys, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast today. Um, we're all, I could see it feel like a little bit tired today. I hope you guys still had a great episode and, uh, we'll see you guys next time. 